ACASTCAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast. I'm your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me is my co-host, Kendall Whitley. How are you doing, Kendall? I'm doing good, man. We've got a great show today. We've got a special guest on. I can't wait to hear from you. Yes, and Jerry's going to be joining us later on on the show. He had something come up. All right. Yes, today we do have a special guest. He is a CFL agent, Jimmy Robinson. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Yo. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Jimmy, if you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just again, well, my name is Jimmy, CFL agent Jimmy Robinson. Um, just a little bit about my story. I grew up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, grandson of a pastor, came down from the Korean War, from Virginia, came down to Maryland. He told himself that if God was to make him, allow him to make it out of the Korean War, uh, he would serve him for the rest of his life. So upon being one of the survivors who actually made it through the Korean War, he left with my grandmother, came down to D.C. for a while, and then migrated to Baltimore, started his ministry, uh, Salem Baptist Church, uh, in 1960. Um, from, that, from that union came my father, uh, who is uh, named Jimmy Robinson also. He's the third. Uh, and uh, he became a pastor as well. And uh, and I came from that being my mother and a Harlem uh, a Harlem soldier. So I call my mother Harlem Harlem Knight. Uh, they they had me and uh, two others after. So uh, grew up in uh went to high school at Wallach High School, graduated from there. Uh, went on to Bowie State University, uh, where I served as senior class president there, and uh, went on to uh, eventually uh, my journey led me to uh, Georgetown, uh, where I'm at, and actually just finished up with. Uh, my uh, sports industry management graduate degree uh, in business did uh, at the university. Um, and I got my start in uh, the, the sports agent world through SMWW. I'm sure Kendall is familiar with that as well. Uh, through an uh, agent named uh, Lynn Lashbrook. Uh, Lynn was excellent in teaching me just the fundamentals of sports management, athlete management. From there, I, I, I learned how to uh, uh, navigate uh, the collegiate ranks, um, learning how to talk to compliance officers and getting familiar with different compliance officers there. Um, and uh, that led me to get my CFL agent uh, license um, eventually in 2016. And once I got my CFL license, uh, got my first client that same year, Boyd Richardson, was drafted with the 65th pick uh, in, the, in the 2018 uh, CFL draft. And, man, the guy, uh, doors have been opening since then, so... Again, you know, it's, it's been a journey, and I have the ins and outs of any guy from any level, from Division One to Division Two to Division Three, who are interested in, in navigating these ranks and finding a way into the CFL, um, and even some uh, some other opportunities as well. So, again, thanks you guys for having me, and that's a little bit of my story. Yes, um, real real good there, um, Jimmy Robinson. Okay. Um, one, one question I want to ask you is, um, so can you can you explain the differences in the CFL and the NFL contract wise? Yeah, so contract wise, uh. One, economically, you know, just with the NFL, you know, I mean, of course, the NFL has been uh, 
definitely been established. The CFL is actually, uh, you know, historic franchise. It's like similar to the NFL. But, uh, of course, with the CFL, from an agent standpoint, what I like to do is uh, we typically – they typically don't hold an athlete for, you know, a sense of time. For an NFL, you may have a, a contract for, say, four years with an option year of a fifth year. CFL, uh, we, we typically do contracts where you have two years, one year and an option year. Uh, so that way, you know, he can outplay that contract early on. And then should we have the opportunity, should they decide to bring him back, uh, we, you know, either we negotiate the contract or have him at the similar uh, playing scale. Or I typically negotiate based on, you know, his performance from the last year. So he has the opportunity to outplay that first-year contract. A little bit different than the NFL. You know, once you make that, that four-year commitment to that contract, you're pretty much set in that pay scale. So you see a guy, you know, like Lamar Jackson right now who's definitely outplaying his contract. Uh, but – you know, he's he's going to be in that contract at least for another year. Well, this is his last year. He should be able to renegotiate another another year or two. In the CFL, it's a lot different. If you're playing the CFL, you'll be able to negotiate the next year or so. Um, length-wise, that's the difference. Of course, economic-wise, I mean, you know, the, the NFL is just a, it's a conglomerate pretty much. So uh, the pay scale is a little bit higher in the NFL than the CFL. But, again, I mean, you have someone like a Johnny Manziel making well over six figures. Um, and other high-key athletes who have played in the CFL can definitely make a great living in the CFL and as well as see ton, uh, tons of different places uh, throughout their college career and have the – I mean, their professional career, excuse me, and have an opportunity to even make the CFL Hall of Fame as well. So it's I would say outside of the NFL, the CFL is definitely one of the more established leagues. Thank you. Thank you. And also I read on when I was talking to you beforehand, before we brought you on the podcast, yeah. Um, you did some work with the Washington Redskins as well. What what did you do with them? Yeah, so it's really uh you know as while I was in uh at Georgetown, I had opportunity uh to work with them in the you know game day operations. So I just seeing just the logistics of how they operate a game and and understanding just I mean we see the game outside the field. You know we see uh you know um you know Alex Smith at the time. You see all the all the big names uh that's on the field, but what we don't really see uh Kendall is is just what goes on off the field, you know, the, 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 uh, making sure the security is right, making sure that, uh, you know, there's food and beverage have their own, own senior VP, guest service have their own senior vice president. You know, these are the, the, the pieces that makes a whole uh, professional organization. It's like it's the glue to the organization. So throughout my time with the Redskins, I got an opportunity to just see how the business side of it off the field works. So I, I really enjoyed that opportunity and grateful for Georgetown to even extend that opportunity uh, to me. Thank you, thank you, really. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also, Jimmy. All the other the, the question I wanted to ask you is, mm-hmm. you know, how we have, I guess, the new norm, right, with COVID nineteen. How is that affecting the CFL as far as the start date goes? Right. So, you know, we get CFL updates right now. Uh, I actually just looked at ours through the Players Association, um, and, and right now they they haven't given a definite setback date, uh, at least to the agents. They haven't given us any definite uh, decisions with that. But as we mentioned before, with the season of less than what, about a couple weeks, just a couple weeks away, um, it'd be interesting. They have some key decisions to make uh, in terms of, uh, you know, commencing training camp is getting the season started. Um, but in terms of, you know, even at the NFL, I mean, the CFO draft, which took place, excuse me, in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, what took place in uh, April 30th, you know, during that time uh, in, in regard, they were able to bring in the CFO, the CFL players, but for U.S. players, they don't—they're not having the uh, the free agent camps. So, 
you know, typically every year before the draft, they bring in some U.S. players in the U.S. They come down here to work out players, say, from Division II. I'm, I'm sure you guys have a number of guys that, that played in uh, Division II, Division Three, Division One WWE schools. So these guys, they bring these guys in and they examine them through what we call free agent workouts. But with COVID-19, I mean, yes. we weren't able to have those. And they actually, uh, you know, a lot of regional workouts were shut down also. So for U.S. players, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate with this. And, it, and COVID has had a, a great impact on the, on every aspect of, of the game. And then also, too, the other question I wanted to ask, what are traits that you look for when you're um... – when you're about to represent a player, right? How do you know that it's going to be the right fit for you and the player? Exactly. So when a U.S. Uh, and even even abroad, like my niche right now at this point is is guys who are um, they are looking they 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 have the talent and the skill set which is necessary, but they may be that diamond in the rough again with sportsmen worldwide. When I first started out with them, that's kind of the the eye, and I'm sure Kendall is a scout. I mean, that's the eye that we're trained with. So. One thing I look for is an intangible. I like to see the hunger. I want to see that a guy wants it first, you know. Uh, of course, and, and I want to see that he has the has, has skill set to, to make it in the league because I don't want to send, um, you know, our reputation on the line when we send guys over. So um, I do want to see that they have the, the foundational skill set, but I also want to see that they, they want it, you know, uh, because for an overlooked player sometimes or a guy that's not a high draft pick or, you know, that's a highly tied athlete, um, you know, they got it. They, their, their journey is unconventional. So I want to see that they have the wherewithal to, to make it and navigate this, 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 this process, which can be stressful in some ways, but um, it can be rewarding if they have the, the hunger to continue on. So um, that's one of the things I look for hunger and, of course, the skill set. Yeah, that, that's real good right there. I mean, we have, we've had multiple players, you know, come on the show. And they're hungry for the opportunity. So I feel once they hear this interview, they're really going to be interested. And, uh, you know, maybe even want to contact you. So, I mean, how, how's that work? So, I mean, do, do you have a lot of players that contact you, you know, mm-hmm. via social media, uh, email? Definitely. Uh, mainly via social media. Um, I typically work with guys also. So, yeah, usually word of mouth. They may have heard of me from another player or um, – you know, I typically have a uh, – I'm very good friends with uh, the founder of uh, the FCS Bowl, the National Bowl. So players that come out, out of those bowl games, they usually uh, want to first, to hit, uh, you know, to contact me as well. Um, but definitely word of mouth. You can also you know, reach me out on, uh, you know, my Instagram, agentjr mm-hmm. 4 uh, my email, underdogsportsinc at gmail.com, um, and as well as word of mouth through, through you guys as well. So there's a number of ways to reach out to me, you know. More than one way to skin a cat, right? Definitely. Yes. And, and players, I mean, yeah, they're looking again to the NFL, but ultimately what they want is just an opportunity. And yes. I feel like the CFL would be a great place for them, right? Mm-hmm. To uh to kind of pursue their dream to play football. Oh, yeah, most definitely it definitely is. And um and, and the thing is I say too is even if say after the draft or you know that you may not get that shot immediately. One of the opportunities that, that that's often overlooked for for, for uh you know for from small school uh, draft picks and even players from major schools who were overlooked is overseas and indoor opportunities. So let's say if you 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 didn't get on with the CFO team just yet, I mean you have leagues in Mexico, you have leagues in Germany, you have leagues in Japan that are looking to bring people in. And what what's what the what uh most recently 
the CFL has created a global partnership with yes. uh, Germany, with uh, with uh, Mexico and, and Australia, a lot of uh, other leagues uh, where they can uh, where they can uh, look and bring in talent from these leagues. So what I tell some guys too is, if you can't make it immediately in the CFL, you have an opportunity to go to to, to see the world in Mexico and play some time, some time there, and you can also that's your gateway to the CFL still. So. Um, there's a number of different ways to make the CFL, and and you're right, CFL is an amazing opportunity. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate you bringing all that up, just because you know they might not be aware of all the different opportunities that are uh, you know available to play football. So yes, that's really good. Uh, uh, Mr. Robinson, where can our listeners mm-hmm. follow you on social media again? Uh, def- it's, you can follow me on uh, Agent JL4 um, on Instagram. Uh, I have another Instagram as well, uh, Underdog Sports uh, underscore US. Uh, that's another my business Instagram page. You can follow either any either one of those. My personal Instagram is Agent JL4. Um, so yeah, Agent JL4. I'm kind of new to Twitter, but you can follow me there as well. Same uh, handle as my uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have a Facebook by any chance? Uh, personal Facebook, yeah. That's uh, more of my family, but just J, you know, J Robinson. You can feel free to shoot me a message on there also. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mr. Robinson, we appreciate your time and best of, and best of luck to you. No problem at all. Thank you guys for having me. I'm going to catch up with you guys again soon. All right. We appreciate Thank it, you. Mr. Stay safe. No problem. Stay safe, guys. Team needs addressed or not. Let's talk about the AFC South. Kendall, if you want to start off for us. Yes, I will. I'm gonna start with the um start with the Tennessee Titans. They had a pretty good draft, man. They um they drafted Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Pretty big guy. He's a pretty he's a pretty stalemate at, at offensive tackle. He's pretty good for Georgia for a couple of years. Um they 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 definitely addressed the need there because they lost Conklin in the offseason. So and then um then they got Christa, Kristen Fortin out of LSU in round in, in the second round. So I mean they you know they lost Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan, he's still trying to find a job. There's been rumors he might sign with the Jets, but they got Kristen, Kristen Fortin out of LSU. And, then no, they still got Malcolm Butler, but he's getting up there in age. So, I think um, Tennessee Titans, they, they they had a pretty good draft. They addressed two of their top knees. Um, I would have wanted to see them go more like – probably get like, like a linebacker or something like that. But, I mean, they I think they did pretty good. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you, you got to protect the quarterback and you gotta you got to be able to help establish a run with the running back. And I think that's exactly what they did with their first-round pick in Isaiah Wilson. And I, like what you said, coming back around in the second round, picking up Christian Fulton, who a lot of people had as a first-round draft pick at the cornerback position. So when you look at those two, two top picks, I mean, honestly, they, they, they really helped themselves, you know, to, to make another push uh, into the playoffs. A couple, a couple of little nuggets in there. Darrington Evans, the running back. Yes. And Cole McDonald out of uh, Hawaii, and that guy's just a gunslinger, right? So it'd be interesting to see if they if they're able to develop, you know, both these both these players and have them as 
as, you know, maybe a potential backup Cole McDonald, you know, maybe somebody that can step in one day. Because I'll tell you this, in Hawaii, he just threw that ball everywhere. Uh, Darrington Evans has has some wheels and he has some power too. So, so interesting interesting picks in the later round. So I think overall they met their, their they did meet their picks and it looks like they're going to contend again and make a strong push into the playoffs. Yeah, I like the Cole McDonald draft pick. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when he was playing in Hawaii, gl- a gunslinger, he would throw that ball all over the field. Uh, and I feel like they really solidified that back, you know, that quarterback backup role with him. I know he's still a rookie. But I just feel he has a lot of talent that could be developed. And then as far as everything else, I felt like they just helped themselves tremendously. Um, you know, they re-signed Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's still there. Um, you know, he's a monster to run the ball. Uh, they re-signed Ryan Tannehill, which he had a really great season. He And he actually won Comeback Player of the Year last year. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting what the Tennessee Titans do with all that talent. Yes, yes, I agree there. Moving on with the Houston Texans. Uh, well, the Texans come in, you know, they had a had a crazy offseason so far, especially the inspiration. They traded trade away DeAndre Hopkins, then they get brought in Brennan Cooks from the Rams. So, I mean, coming into the draft, one of their top needs, they need a defensive tackle. And, you know, they still got J.J. Watt that he's getting up there in age. He has a bad injury history. It seems like every year they got Ross Blacklock at a, on the defensive tackle at a TCU. I mean, he's, I, you put on the tape, I mean, he, he can fly. He, he's a stalemate on that, on that defensive line. He's a pretty good player. And he, he gets back to the backfield, penetrates very well. He's a good, a very good run stuffing and defensive tackle. So I think they address the need there. They got some more depth there, some younger depth with that draft need there. And then come back, because they didn't have a first round, so that was their second round pick. In the third round, they got Jonathan Grenard, the edge pass rush out of Florida. He's one of my underrated, under-radar guys, him and um, Anthony Jennings out of Alabama. And Jonathan Grenard, you put his tape on, man, he, I'm telling you, he, he's a pretty good player. He's a pretty good player for the Florida Gators. So I think they addressed um, two good, two pretty top needs there because they needed some more D-line depth. They had trouble last year getting to the quarterback all year. We've seen that in that AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. So, well, what it, yeah, yeah, against the Chiefs or whatever. So I think right there, I mean, they had, they had a pretty they had a pretty good draft there. And my fault, they um they played the Chiefs in a divisional round. So they, not AFC Championship, it was a divisional round. So I think um, they, had, they had a pretty good draft. They addressed some needs. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. You know, I think that Ross Blacklock is going to be very underrated. And w- when they see what he's able to do, uh, he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. And then, uh, of course, uh, Jonathan uh, Bernard, right out of uh, Florida, you know, he does he does have some pass, pass rushing skills. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you look at the needs, it was cornerback, edge, like edge rusher, guard, and defensive tackle. You know, as you, as you as they went along, they did they did get some depth at at, at these positions, but like what you said, it was a crazy off season for them, right? Doing doing all this, you know, making all this mayhem for their fans. I mean, they almost killed the the the, the hope and the faith from all their fans. I did they meet their did they meet their off season needs? Yes. However, I feel that they left a lot of meat on the bone. If that gives you any kind of uh, visual. Man, I just – man, the Houston Texans are the biggest question mark to me in this division. I mean, just with all these, you know, the moves they've done this offseason, uh, with the biggest one being trading DeAndre uh, Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals and then in trade getting back David Johnson, which he's been having – he's had a lot of injuries in his career. Uh, he started off really strong with the Arizona Cardinals, but then – you know, I don't think he he played a full season after that, after his really strong year with them, just, you know, with injuries and all that. Uh, they also did uh, trade for Brandon Cooks of the Los Angeles Rams. 
Uh, he's been on about three different teams the last four years, if I'm not mistaken. So, and then they also signed Randall Cobb from the Dallas Cowboys. So they did sign a lot of receivers, but I mean, as far as you know, a needs address, I don't think so because there's a lot of question marks there. And, and with all these players that I mentioned, the biggest issues are going to be yes. injuries, right? And um, we'll just we're just going to have to see what happens with them. Yes, I agree. That moving along. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> so the Jaguars, right? They're 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 an interesting team from the get go. We've we've said, you know what? I, we when they made Gardner Minshew the actual starter, it, it's one of those things where it looks like they're they they kind of giving up on the twenty twenty season, trying to see if maybe perhaps they can land a top position to maybe perhaps get one of the coveted quarterbacks coming out in this next year's draft, right? And that's if they come out. But when you look at it, their top needs were linebacker, cornerback, defensive tackle, and guard. You know, when you look at it, you know, from the first round, they had two picks, right? One because of the trade of uh, Jalen Ramsey. It looks like they got the replacement with C.J. Henderson with their first pick in the first round. And then coming around, I I believe they're trying to see if they can maybe experiment with Clavon uh, Chase on as a linebacker slash edge. And that is kind of that is kind of an interesting pick, though. Because you know you still you still got you still got um you know you got you 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 hit you hit big with that defensive end from last year, um, Allen right uh Josh yes. Allen right yes and then and then and then they still got um the the other defensive end that they're they're trying to they're trying to trade him but they they franchise tag him trying to get a trade out of him but and and Dockway, yes. yes so it, it's gonna be interesting I, I don't know if chase on can be the linebacker that Tel, telvin smith was you know uh but when you look at it you know maybe they're preparing for the future uh then later on they, they added some more depth they got lavisca chanel you know after losing marquise lee and free agency to the patriots and you know they're they kept on adding depth and depth but i think that they did meet their needs but I think they met them not knowing what they were doing, like if that makes any sense. So I think in the process, you know, they it looks like they weren't trying to put together a, you know, a so on. You know, it looks like it looks like they're tanking this season. But with this with this lineup of players that they got, you know, I don't think they're going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to be in the in the top five as far as draft picks because this team has always put up good fights here and there. And Gardner Minshew, that he looks like he wants to keep that position. So they got fighters on almost every every skill position. So I think the Jaguars did meet their needs. Yes, I like what the Jets from the Jaguars. I love the CJ Henderson pick. You know, you lost Ramsey, you lost a Boye. So you get to get your he's a day one starter. He's gonna be a day one starter on the right or the left side. He also can play the slot. So and he played good against some of LSU top receivers that they had come out this year and in the future. So I think CJ Henderson, that's a great pick for them. Um the Clay LeVon chase on, I can't believe they got him where they got him at. I thought he was going to go to the Cowboys. But, hey, once again, you never can have too many pass rushers. And they brought him down to D-line. He's going to pair, pair him there with in Doc Wade if he's there and Josh Allen. So, I, I think they got um, they, they had a pretty good jump. And I love the LaVisca Sinat pick. I think he's going to be a steal there. I wasn't high on him coming out in the draft, but as I kept doing my research on him, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for what the Jaguars can ask him to do. So, I think they addressed several needs. All right, so a couple things with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So one of them being the Yannick and Dockway. They were trying to trade him before the draft. I believe they were asking for two ones, and I think the closest that, that a team got was offering a one and a three for him. 
they were not able to move him. So that's still something that they have to take care of before the season starts. Uh, the other thing would be Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, uh, earlier this offseason, he had commented that Jacksonville should sign Cam Newton. And soon after that, he was placed on the trading uh, on the trade bl- uh, block. So we're just going to have to wait and see on that. As far as what they did in the draft, I love what they did in the draft. They drafted C.J. Henderson, which was my top-rated corner in my mock draft. So, I mean, Jacksonville is just a very young team. Uh, you know, young Gardner Minshew. Uh, they did sign Mike, uh, Mike Glennon to back him up last week. Uh, we're just going to have to see what happens. I mean, this team, too, I mean, I have a lot of question marks. Uh, is this going to be Doug uh, Marone's last year? Uh, I really don't see this team improving much from last year. Um, it's just they have some talent, but it's young talent. And, and this division is going to be a hard one to, to kind of make the playoffs in. Agreed. Moving along, <laughs> we've got the Colts, right? Their top needs were edge, an edge rusher, wide receiver, quarterback, and an offensive line. Um, they, they, what they did was they traded their first-round pick. They got the Forrest Buckner. Then they, they uh, signed Phillip Rivers, right, in free agency, and then they got Xavier Woods as a uh, corner as the, to bring him in as their corner. And then in the draft, you know, when you look at the draft, you know, they, they got Michael Pittman, which is Fidel's, uh, you know, big-time sleeper slash probably he's – I think you said, what, he's going to be one of the top wide receivers in the, at the end of it all? Yes, Fidel. Fidel yes. And then, uh, and then you all – Oh, man, Brian Edwards, man. I'm telling you, breakout yeah. season coming soon. <laughs> you also said the same thing about Jonathan Taylor, which is another pick I by did. the Colts. And that's kind of interesting, right, because it just – it kind of makes you think, well, Marlon Mack's been doing so good, but – Obviously, they get the philosophy. If you drive, if you if you get a running back to replace that running back, now you put the leverage on. You know, you have the leverage, and you're not having to pay. You know, the the running back contracts that are going right now, right? Uh, even though even though Marlon Mack is has shown that he could he could t- you know he could tote the rock, and he could stay healthy doing it too. And as it as as the draft went on, you know they they added depth to the safety position, getting Julian Blackman. Think that he's gonna he's gonna be he'll be a, he'll he looks like he could develop into a solid starter and 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 make plays for that defense and then later on they drafted the quarterback Jacob Eason out of Washington which was a lot of people you know and a lot of mock mock drafts they had him in you know at least second round pick but they were able to get him in a reasonable in, in a reasonable round and still be able to to get Philip Rivers in the process I mean you got to watch out with the Colts obviously. This whole organization knows how to build the team to the draft and obviously through trades and free agency. So I think they, they have put a very competitive team. When you when you stack it up, I do think it's going to be the Titans and the Colts at the top of this division, though. Yes, I think they address um, plenty of needs there. Um, I think my, I love the Michael Pittman Jr. pick out of USC. The, the Colts, they don't have the receivers on the outside. I think I don't think they had the right guys for Phil Rivers to deal with on the outside. I mean, you got T.Y. Hilton. He's been injury prone. He's, like, he's, he's more of a speedster. Uh, what what did they have in Paris Campbell, the slot wide receiver at Ohio State last year? He got hurt, so they got a bunch of questions more at the wide receiver market. So they went in the draft. They got Michael Pittman. I think he's going to be a steal there. He playing indoors there with with the coast and Philly. I think it's going to be a great. He's, he's going to feel a great, good, a really good need on the outside. Then I can't believe they got Jonathan Taylor. That's kind of like two, like a first and a second. I mean, I think that's a steal Man. there. The thing about Taylor is, I said this, and you can go back in our pre-draft talk. He has a lot of mileage on him, but I, I think um. Playing indoors on that fast track, he's he's gonna do very good there. He's played in a lot of big games there with Wisconsin, so you know the coach. They're gonna be in a lot of close games. I mean, I think they're gonna be a playoff team this year. I think Philly is gonna make them a little better. 
I, I just don't feel like he's going he, I know I know for a face not a long term at this point in career, but I think Philip Rivers there for a couple of years there. I think he'll be all right, be decent there. I don't understand the fit, but they they are building they are building some slowly putting some pieces around them. So I think they definitely address needs there with the running back with the running back position and the wide receiver getting Michael Pittman and then and adding Johnson Taylor. So I think yes, needs were addressed. Yeah, I mean to me they kind of they kind of these players with a lot of value fell to them, and I didn't I couldn't believe they fell. I mean to me I I felt like Jonathan Taylor was going to be the first running back taken off the draft board. Him or DeAndre Swift. So, and for them to you know to actually be able to you know to draft him is going to be a plus not only for for the Colts but also for Marlon Mack. He's going to have somebody you know to help him out with the with the carries because we saw last year. I mean, he was hurt some, and that's because he had the majority of the carries for the Colts. Now, with the Michael Pittman draft pick, oh man, I love this draft pick. I cannot believe he fell all the way down to the Colts. Now, with that being said, there was a huge draft class, right, with a lot of yes. uh, quality wide receivers. So, to me, the Indianapolis Colts improved tremendously. Um, the only question mark I have is Philip uh, Rivers. I mean, whoever the backup quarterback is going to be, I mean, they better just stay ready because, you know, he's the only one hit away from probably not playing yes. the rest of the year. <laughs> All right, that's going to go and wrap it up for the AFC South. On our next episode, we will go over the AFC North team needs addressed or not. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we get off the internet? Uh, yeah, I just want to get a special shout out and thanks to Jimmy Robson for, you know, for taking time out of his day to come on with us, man. We had a great show with him, and I look forward to talking to him in the future, man. He gave us some great insight. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Anytime we have a guest on, thank you so much for all the wisdom, and just thank you for coming on. Yes, and we want to thank Jimmy Robinson for coming on today, and best of luck to you, and hopefully we can have you back on the show soon. All right, guys, well, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for the East-West Football Podcast. Again, thank you for listening, and have a good night. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric cast.